Welcome to the Arone Sports Podcast. Listen in as professional handicappers Frank and Rob break down this week's wagers on a game-by-game basis. Tomorrow, the last soccer keep is money. Is there a lot of money to be made in that kind of business? Nothing is impossible. You can shear a sheep many times, but skin him only once. Obsession is a young man's game. This is exactly my point. Take it easy, take it easy. Simple, my people, not easy. What's all that about? You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. What I think I meant to say was just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I'm here to give you a show what it's missing. You guys are crazy. You ready? Ready. Set? Set. One, two, three, go! Welcome back to the Aron Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, November 19th, 2020. Coming to you a day later than normal here on this Thursday afternoon. I was uh, up north for work yesterday and get back till late and then uh, had some NBA draft to, to take in. So coming a little bit late, but uh, getting it out here nonetheless on uh, Thursday, which have a pretty good night game coming with uh, the Cardinal Seahawks. So it's a uh, fun time. We got the home stretch here, the playoff race is shaping up, and uh, starting to get a pretty good idea of who these teams are, uh, despite some some more COVID stuff again this week. But um, yeah, anyway, let's uh, bring on the other member of the pod. Head on over to uh, his palatial estate in Minnetonka. How you doing there, Crabber? Yeah, not doing too bad. Like you said, coming here a day late on the AS podcast, but excited to talk some games here. I know it's a little bit. Last couple of weeks have been a little rough here from at least the podcast perspective. Uh, top five plays, hopefully we can get that back in together. But, yeah, other than that, not too bad. I didn't watch much of that draft. Any any, any uh, keynotes there, anything to bring out? No, it actually went pretty much according to form. I know there's a lot of talk before beforehand leading up to it that there might be a lot of trades because there wasn't really a definitive number one pick. And they were saying that, like, any of the top teams – in the top five or six might be moving around or jumping up or trading down or whatever. And basically everybody kept their picks and everybody picked kind of who they thought they were uh, outside of a couple of, uh, you know, reaches or surprises. But yeah, it's pretty uneventful for the most part. But then as a Tim Rolls fan, it was kind of exciting to see that they uh, brought Rubio back in. So I'm always excited about that. So that'll be, uh, I don't think it'll necessarily make them up. A playoff or a, you know a championship contender by any means, but just a uh, fun guy to root for and makes for an exciting brand of basketball. So that'll be kind of fun to uh, to have him back in the fold. Absolutely, old three PO. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, got to uh, run it back and have PJ off that apple pie screaming Rubio. <laughs> uh, alrighty, let's uh, kick it off here and do a, a weekend recap of Week Ten. The weekend recap. All right, so what were your thoughts on Week 10, and uh, how'd you do? Um, Yeah, from a top-five perspective, like I mentioned in the uh, intro there, one and four, uh, basically what flipped me was that Baltimore game. I definitely, in that teaser, just expect them to win that game outright, so that was probably my biggest wrong opinion of the week for sure. So what are you going to do on that? I didn't release as a play. I, I did have two plays released, two totals that I felt strongly about that I talked about in the pod. And they, they both, uh, one of them got there, one of them didn't. And they both could have, you know, those both either could have gone either way. Both of them could have lost. Uh, there was a chance that Denver almost got in there late. We were watching that there. Basically just needed those, those bad quarterbacks to come down and get some garbage time points. So I was unable to. But anyway, uh, someone fortunate there to go one and one. So I'll, I'll take that from our least plays perspective. 
Looks like I'm still uh, hanging on there with a slight positive. But anyway, it uh, as, as a whole, definitely it could have been better. But again, I didn't. It wasn't another card that I didn't like a whole lot. So I think it's kind of one of those things where I kind of tread lightly. And I think when I'm minimizing my losses to you know either just like there, like on my release plays a push, or you know not not losing a ton and uh, going crazy. I think that's kind of the the key points here. And then hopefully you know when you get a card that I like more, which is going to be something like this week. Hopefully you'll be able to take advantage more and uh, get more in the profit. So uh, all in all, it was, uh, I guess, an average week. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. So uh, about a, about a even-even. So how about you? Well, super strange for me because I, I didn't actually release any plays. Because um, it got closer to Sunday, and I started looking at the uh, the weather for the, the Baltimore-New England game. It looked like it was going to be a decent amount of, of rain and wind and everything. And I'm like, well, I, I mean, I, I thought that if anything that was going to benefit new England and the way it played out, it definitely did. So of my five picks, I went three and two and actually had a, a winning week from that perspective. And that was nice, but I went all and two on the Baltimore game. because I had Baltimore and the over, which I very rarely do both in the same game. So yeah, that was just a absolutely uh, horrendous result for both of us. And then at my three other games that I liked, I had three short favorites and, at the time of release, I was laying one and a half with Arizona, one and a half with the Rams, and two and a half with the Vikings. And by post, they were, uh, you know, all you know, Arizona was two and a half or three at some spots, and the Rams were three, and the Vikes were three and a half, four, and I uh, just didn't really like it at that point. So I kind of was kicking myself for not releasing those plays earlier, but uh, I didn't uh, didn't want to chase. And like as, as long as or as far as Arizona goes, I'm glad I didn't because. That was a spot like you'll talk about in the next segment that uh, if you bet Arizona at post, you would have lost. Where if you would have bet it when I released it on the or you know talked about it on the pod as one of my five picks, I would have won. So um, yeah, I kind of felt good about that. Uh, you know, having a little discipline there and not releasing it, figuring how often is two going to come into play because it uh, it certainly can. So overall, um, we talked we both talked about how we didn't really like the card that much last week, and uh, I figured scratching out a three and two on our force picks and then not releasing anything, uh, you know, it felt, felt fairly good. And what was kind of a, kind of a strange week, uh, just a lot of weird games that, uh, kind of could have gone either way. And the, you know, like the Browns Texans was back and forth and Chubb running out of bounds was just weird there at the end that decided the spread and Lions Washington was just bizarre how that ended up coming right down to the end and just a weird game. And, you know, the, the Packers almost losing outright against the Jags was just kind of strange. The Giants winning by double digits against the Eagles. Uh, there's just a lot of weird, weird outcomes that, uh, you know, besides that Hail Mary by the, the Cardinals. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, strange with the Masters going on like that. We, we liked how they broke it down with five early games and six late games, which was pretty nice from a viewership perspective. But those, that's the group of early games was just about as ugly as it gets. And, uh, Unfortunately, the Masters was kind of a runaway too, with Dustin Johnson uh, having a huge lead there. So it was a pretty disappointing Sunday, all in all, from uh, from a viewership standpoint. Other than that Cardinals Bills game, I was about the only uh, the only uh, exciting bit of them all. And yeah, and then running right into that Sunday nighter with the Ravens Pats and that monsoon, where it was just ugly, ugly football that uh, never really got going. So overall, it was a pretty pretty disappointing day, but. Hopefully uh, next week will be a little bit better here. So let's 
jump into our next segment and do a little getting the best of the number. Getting the best of the number. All right, so what games qualified here this week for getting the best of the number? Yeah, I had a boatload here of games, and uh, luckily I was on a few of them as well. So let's uh, go through it here quick, um, getting the best number, uh, which we have this segment here in place for the new listeners, just uh, basically just showing how if you bet at different times during the week and bet a number at a certain point in the week at a, or at different sports books, how they have different numbers, most people just think, oh, you either pick a winner or you pick a loser. But it's really not that simple. I mean, the number is, you know, especially professionals, uh, that's what they're betting is, is the number more than the team or, or anything else. So just, uh, this will showcase it here. We got five, uh, total, totals and sides for an example here. So let me jump right into it. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, the total here opened 47 and a half. This one closed as, uh, 45 and a half, 46, kind of a split close. And this one landed right on 46, 36 to 10. So, I mean, like I said, not only did it open and, uh, it came down and for getting it early, if you would have bet the under, but I mean, even this is a perfect example. You, you should have won this game either way or pushed. I mean, you shouldn't have lost this game. If you have enough outs, you should be able to either bet it at 46, uh, uh, under and get a push out of it. Even if you bet it at, you know, at the wrong time and, uh, and weren't able to get ahead of the number, ahead of the move, you still could have bet it at close at, at under 46 and would have got a push out of it. Or likewise, if you had enough outs, you could have bet it over 45 and a half and end up getting a win. So again, this, this is really a game where there's not an excuse for not having either a win win slash push if you did bet this so uh, this total. Uh, next one here, Washington Detroit. This one opened three and a half. Uh, Detroit three and a half or four. This one got bet all the way down to three with some heavy juice on on Washington and then a lot of two and a half. So two and a half was definitely the prevailing number at close. I know myself. I bet Detroit two and a half. I just didn't really understand that move and it was way too low. Uh, and this one landed right on three thirty to twenty seven. So again, you can bet right through the number. You could have bet it and won it either way. So. Um, a couple good examples to start here, and then another one here, pretty good example, Houston-Cleveland, uh, similar to the last game. It landed on 3, 10 to 7, and Cleveland opened 2.5 and, and got bet all the way up to Cleveland 4, 4.5. Four so, again, bet that early if you bet Cleveland, or you could bet it late in Houston and uh, would have had it. Of course, like you mentioned, the way that game ended was pretty crazy and how he stepped out of bounds and everything. But, again, there's a lot of fluky plays that maybe have happened where the you know the number would have came into play, but then something happened so it doesn't. So it kind of goes both ways for that specific scenario. Um, next one here, Philadelphia Giant and Giants. Um, the total it opened here 42. This one got steamed all the way up to 46. This one landed on 44, 27 to 17. So this one goes right through the number and it clears it by two points on either end. So a really good example there, just betting at the right time if you know where the number's moving, if you can get ahead of the market. Or uh, wait till close. Uh, last example here, Buffalo to Arizona. Another one I was fortunate enough to be on. This one opened Arizona one and a half, and this one closed as high as uh, pretty much across the board. It got up to Arizona three, surprisingly. And this one here landed 32 to 30 right on two. So, um, yeah, myself, I think I had a one and a half in my pocket, but it's, uh, it's just, yeah, it just really, really pounds home the fact here this week of how many times the uh, not only getting it early in the week or getting it at the right time, like I said, just having the outs available to bet it and get the best of the number. So that's uh, definitely a pretty great example here this week. Yep, absolutely. Um, as I just uh, expand a little bit further, but it's like, yeah, like you're saying, it's not just picking, oh, I think this team's going to win. And it's like, well, even like tonight's game with the Cardinals Seahawks. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to give me the Cardinals plus 100, I'd love that bet. If you're going to give me the Seahawks plus 100, I absolutely love that bet. So it's like, Obviously, those are just an extreme exaggeration, and for the most part, humans just aren't that good at like understanding subtle differences. But 
of along any game, there should be a, a you know a spectrum of willing to bet either side, and then you just got to figure out where you think the number should be versus what the the market is. But it's something you can't be stubborn at or just say, oh yeah, I'll take this team regardless. So, you know the the number has to match up with that too. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead and jump into week eleven here. There you go. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Um, so I'll, I got the uh, honors here since I went three and two last week, and I will go to my first game, which is the uh, the New England Houston game. Wow, pretty far down the board already. All right, let's uh, New England Houston. My power rating here: Houston minus two. Look headline: Houston two and a half minus one twenty. The Westgate open here, Houston two and a half, and the total here open forty seven. So uh not surprising if you've been listening to the podcast all year, but uh, I'm back in Houston again. <laughs> uh catching the the two. And uh it's just it's partly a play against New England, because I think even though they won that last week against Baltimore, which we were obviously both against New England there, I still I thought that was more just a, a factor of the weather and Baltimore just not really being able to do much. Uh, I, I didn't come away super impressed with New England, and I haven't been impressed with Cam Newton in a long, long time. He just hasn't really shown much at all. Uh, he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass to a wide receiver once this year. And sure, they've been able to run the ball a little bit better with Harris, which I've actually been a big fan of because I have him in a, a lot of different fantasy leagues and my best balls and stuff because he's injured to start the season, and he's been pretty impressive. And against Houston, you you can run on them, so that is a little concerning. But the 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 biggest thing here, I think, that's kind of interesting is um, New England's DVOA for their defense is dead last in the league. And I don't necessarily buy that, just you know, sight unseen, and say, okay, well they're the worst defense in the league. But people, I think, are still giving them credit for being a top top tier defense, like they have been in years past. And I don't think they're they are necessarily the worst or bottom three or whatever, but I do think they are a below average defense. And when you um, pair that up with, with Cam Newton and his inaccuracy and just overall ineffectiveness for the most part in New England, uh, and just within their lack of offensive weapons in general, I just I think New England's just a, a pretty bad team. And I think the numbers caught up to him quite a bit. And um, you know, even this doesn't seem too ridiculously out of whack, but I, I just think Houston should be the favorite here. And Houston played a weird game last week where they kind of got handled by the Browns, but they didn't. They ended up only losing by three, and I think you kind of make a case that they should have lost by more, or they easily could have won the game. And I don't, I don't love Houston, especially at a two and seven. Obviously, not a lot to play for. Watson hasn't looked phenomenal this year by any means, but I just think they have enough talent on offense that I trust them to to turn it around a lot more than I trust any of the other three units in the game. So in a spot here where you're just asking them to win the game and against a team that I'm sure, you know, not necessarily a revenge game, but Houston's got handled by New England pretty much year in and year out with under Bill O'Brien and uh, against Tom Brady and, and Belichick here and, I think there's going to be a little a little hint of let's let's go after them and try to try to beat them for once because we see them as vulnerable and and some people I know are making the argument that New England now after saving their season last week against Baltimore now they're really going to get going but I just don't think they're a good enough team or a 
have enough talent to necessarily do that. I think that was maybe the the uh, aberration more than the rule. So in a spot where you're just asking him to win the game, uh, I'll gladly take Houston here. Where are you going for your first one? Well, yeah, I'm actually on that same game, and I will actually be going on Houston as well. Uh, I'll double oh, down fun. with you there. Oh. A little music, but, um, yeah, I, one of my stronger plays, I definitely are not, yeah, stronger in, in the sense where I agree. I think the number is kind of out of whack, but again, it's kind of when you're sitting around this pick em range, it's, it's hard to be super strong. I mean, if it's something where it gets up to three, I'd like it a ton. It, uh, I don't think we'll get there, but I mean, if it does, yeah, that'll be a really, you know, pretty big play for me. But, uh, yeah, no, everything you said, I agree with. I just feel like it's just funny on New England. They were basically power, you know, just basically, getting pretty disrespected there. Even last week, you know, the way that played out against Baltimore. And, of course, I was betting against them, too, just like you were. But it's just kind of funny how it seems like, oh, one week now they're played and they went and won a game in, like, a really weird game, crappy game with the weather and a lot of different variables like that that's just kind of random. And even just being prepared and stuff, you could tell that the, the Patriots were prepared for that, practicing with wet balls and everything I heard, and as opposed to Baltimore was how many they had, like, three miss fumbled snaps and stuff. You could just tell they weren't as prepared for that weather and everything else like Belichick and his experience was. So that's a pretty unique scenario. And now basically just bounce your power rating and everything right back to New England after just one performance like that. It just seems like a, a pretty big overreaction. I mean, just look at the look headline that explains just that. Um, both these teams are in two games that were kind of just, I don't really, I don't think they're whole, really that telling. And I think Houston, out of any of the teams that played, you got you know Baltimore, New England, Houston, and Cleveland for the, you know, the teams they play last. I mean, Houston by far, they're the, they're a southern team from Texas. I mean, they're going to be the last team that's going to be prepared for, you know, weather, rain, uh, tough tough conditions up up north. So it's like, I think if anyone gets an excuse here, a pass, it's got to be Houston. And they obviously have firepower, and then you know they're not much of a running type of team, and that's basically what we had to do. And that's what Cleveland's really good at is running the ball. So I mean, it feels to me like that that was just a really bad setup for them last week, and that's Houston I'm talking about, and a pretty fairly good, you know, pretty good setup for New England because they can't throw the ball and they can run it for you know bad weather conditions, not being able to to throw it too deep and everything else. And so now what do we do? Now we go back, and they're coming back home. Um, and New England's going to Houston, and and they're going to be able to chuck the ball around. You got a little bit higher of a total. For a New England game, so it just seems to me like this is this is going to be a game where Houston's going to kind of be able to do what they want, and I feel like they're going to be able to turn up the pressure. They're going to be able to get the you know the long balls and get the big plays, and that's what Watson's been able to do. Uh, and of course, like I said, they weren't able to last week due to weather conditions. So, like I said, I think it sets up really well here for Houston. And just like I said, look at the look headline: Houston two and a half minus one twenty, almost three. It was teetered around three. Houston a favorite. Now we're looking at uh, New England almost two uh, two and a half favorites. So. Pretty big adjustment here after one game of play, and and uh, yeah, definitely agree with you on the Houston side. Uh, looks like what consensus here is about I think two is what we can grade it at. So Houston plus two for the podcast purposes. Um, and with that, I'm also going to actually use this in one of my legs of the teaser as well. It'll be uh, six point teaser. This will be my half, first half of the leg, and that'll be uh, teasing plus six up to Houston plus eight here. So I'm going to have a pick on Houston plus two as well. I use them a half leg of my teaser. So that'll be uh, my play there. All right, I say <laughs> the, the one like counter argument that neither of us has said is the only team Houston's beat so far is Jacksonville, and that's where their two wins have came from. So you are taking a little bit of a leap of faith that you think they're going to be able to get it done against a, a non-Jaguar team, but obviously we both are willing to take that leap for the the reasons we stated. Uh, all right, next game I like is the Green Bay Indy game. Alrighty, uh, my power rating here, Indy minus one, look at line Green Bay minus two. 
Westgate opened Indy minus one, and the total here opened 48 and a half. So if you had to pick here, what side do you think the public's going to be on this game? Absolutely Green Bay. Yeah, right? That's what I would have thought as well. I was listening, I've listened to a few different things this week, and it's been pretty split where I think there's just a huge anti-Green Bay sentiment, which I kind of get because I've been against them a lot last year. And it's just kind of strange to me. Like, I don't think they've been great. Like, obviously, they barely snuck by Jacksonville last week. But I also don't think they've been nearly as smoke and mirrorsy as, as like, Tennessee or Seattle or the Green Bay was last year. And um, I've, I've heard a couple people say that they thought the public's going to be all over Indy this week after they just dominated Tennessee in prime time and then Green Bay barely snuck by Jacksonville. And I just definitely don't agree with that. I, I think the the public's got to be lining up on Green Bay here, I would sure think. But with that being said, um, <clears throat> I'll be on that side as well. <laughs> and it just ha- it definitely has the feel to me of a like a square side that's that that can't be the right side. Is kind of like my gut instinct would tell me. But I just I, I think Indy's been overrated for a while. And if you look, you know their their defense is fourth in DVOA, and they're They've played well for the most part, but I just I think I think Indy's defense is more smoke and mirrors than anything about Green Bay. Like I think if you look at these four units, I trust Green Bay's offense way more than I trust Indy's defense, and I don't really trust Indy's offense at all or Green Bay's defense all that much. And a few weeks ago, uh, Green Bay's defense was rated towards the bottom of the pack. They're up to 16th now, so I think they're playing a tiny bit better. Uh, not that they're playing great by any means, but um. It just seems to me like Indy coming off a really big division win and on a Thursday night in prime time and now sitting here at six and three at the top of their division, I feel like they're going to be feeling pretty good about themselves. And meanwhile, the Packers just barely skated by an awful Jacksonville team and they're just getting quite a bit of criticism, even though they won because they, they barely won that game. And, you know they're seven and two, so they're comfortable. But they're they're fighting for the number one overall seed in the NFC. So I don't think they're going to necessarily be just totally comfortable, uh, you know, throwing a game or not coming out for this one. So in a spot where I think the motivation edge of anything is going to lean slightly Green Bay, I just think they're overall a, a, a better team. I I like their offense. I mean they're number two in DVOA and everything I watch with Adams and Jones and Rodgers looks significantly better than he has the last couple of years to me. Like he looks more like vintage Aaron Rodgers. Uh you give me that offense against an indie offense that I don't trust at all with Phillip Rivers who can't move it downfield. Their playmakers are pretty spotty. They don't have a ton of talent. And the I just think there's a bigger gap in, in offenses than there is in uh in defenses here. So in a spot where I would have assumed you would have had to lay two and a half, three points with Green Bay and instead you're catching points. Uh, kind of like with Houston, I just think uh, the wrong team's favored here, and um, I think Indy's relying more on their record and their close wins. And like even the game last week against the Titans, they uh, they had the block punt and just special teams mishaps that the game was close, and then all of a sudden they, they win by 17. And, and then you know the week before they lose to the Ravens pretty convincingly, and then before that it was just kind of a. a <laughs> the best hits of smoke and mirrors games where they're barely beating the Bengals and they're 
keeping it close against the Lions and then having crazy touchdowns. And it's, I don't know. It's, there's really not a whole lot that the Colts have done this year at all that's been overly impressive, in my opinion. I guess the the Vikings win week two where they just completely destroyed them start to finish looks better now than it did potentially at the time. But other than that, I just, I don't know, not a Phil Rivers guy, not an Indy offense guy. So for me, this one's pretty easy. Uh, like I said, the only thing that it really gives me pause is it feels kind of square and it just feels like it's shouldn't be the right side, but I, uh, I'll be betting nonetheless. So Green Bay uh, looks like we think one and a half for that. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's what I would say. All right, sounds good. So Green Bay one and a half for me. Where are you going with your next one? Uh, actually, looks like there's some some money came. I think it's uh, yeah, it's either two or two and a half now. I, it was one and a half when I had it when I started the before the podcast. But I think two is probably again probably the more uh, widely available number. All right, and I'll say two then. So we're grading at two. Um, yeah, this is uh, another game I'm on, uh, and looks like I will be in agreement with you once again. <laughs> I did like <laughs> the Green Bay side, so yeah, this to me just seems like a. a the indie just seems like the old school, you know, whatever you want to call it, quote unquote professional sharp better that just bets them all. They got to land less than three at home. They got a stronger defense compared to the sexy Aaron Rodgers and the sexy Green Bay team and all that stuff. But the thing, like you said, I, that I don't like about the play and the reason why I like Green Bay is just look at the last two games. Um, you know, again, look at the look at line. Green Bay is a two point favorite. Now it switches to India two point favorite off of one week of play. I mean, it's pretty similar to the other handicap with Houston, New England, some similar point, point spread range as well. I mean, it just really comes down to, yeah, why is why is Indy – I mean, I think a, I think at best this game should be a pick em. So the fact that you're getting a couple points here at Green Bay is, is good. But I don't I don't love it at two, two and a half even, so that's why I'm hoping we'll get to three. And then at three, I think that's going to be a really solid bet, just kind of like with Houston. Like I said, pretty similar games here, similar handicaps. Um, so with that being said, I'm not actually on the Green Bay side at this time. I'm going to wait. I might release it if you're going to keep posted on RoanSports.com on the release page. But I'm going to use it as my other half of the teaser. I uh, get that six points and put it up to eight as well, Like just like I got Houston plus eight. So I feel like right now it just seems to me uh, that this this would be a good like for the teaser. Uh, so, yeah, from a from a top five perspective, I'm not going to be using it on the side. I'm just going to be using it for my other leg of the teaser. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I just To me, it's like even if you just take Packer and Texan money line, it's Pretty hard for me to imagine one of the two don't get there and you make a little bit, if if not both of them. But um, I can see that, yeah, I would definitely really love either of them if they do get up to three at any point. It's just hard for me to imagine the public money doesn't come in at Green Bay at some point this week. But they really haven't been as public as you'd expect for a team that went 13-3 and last year and now is 7-2 and this year. Uh, yeah, and just like you said against Jacksonville, I think that definitely. T- I mean, just look at the look headline about the one yeah. game of lane. I think that's going to be sick in the public's mind as well. Just oh, look at they could hardly get back past Jacksonville. And I don't know some of these games when you're you're such a big favor and everything else, it's it's almost like you know when you get through and and come back like the way they did. I think it's almost a positive for a specific spot. And we'll, there's another game we'll talk about that. Well, I guess I'll just say it now, unless but that even that Minnesota game. I mean, people you know they didn't play all that great by any means, but you know that was a, that was a game I had a bet on. The Bears plus three and a half at post, and I thought it was a pretty good spot for the Bears. Everyone's talking about all the Minnesotas, you know, going to be able to blow the doors off them, and they're playing so well in October and in November and everything else. So it's just, you know, coming after their bye. So, I mean, they they covered and everything, but even then, I think what's even more impressive, because like I said, I thought it was a really good spot for the Bears to show up, and then the fact that they did that, um, if you just look at that one game, but if you just look at everything else involved, the spot and, and, and the hype and everything else, and I just think that was a pretty, you know, gutsy win uh, that, you know, very easily could have lost. So, you know, kind of similar, like I said, with Green Bay, that they kind of came and fought back, and it's kind of like 
I'd much prefer that betting on them the next week as opposed to them going and blowing the doors off of a you know really awful team or a poor team and then having them their confidence over the, you know through the roof thinking that okay everything's good and we're not have to practice anything and everything else. I think it's almost like a good you know little gut check that all right we need to make sure we're still staying focused here because we almost lost to this poor you know bottom tier team. Yeah, exactly. Definitely not going to be too fat and happy this week. They're going to be pretty focused as opposed to Colts winning by double digits in prime time against well you know probably their biggest. Con- uh, opponent for the division, or definitely their biggest opponent for the division. So when they win that game, uh, you, yeah, it just instead of anything, it's going to be a a bet poor spot, and Green Bay could very easily be in a good spot. So yeah, all right. Um, my next game. Um, speaking of those uh those uh, Titans, I'm going to go to the Tennessee Baltimore game. Alrighty, finally a game I don't have an opinion on yet. So I'm gonna go, yeah, my power rating, Baltimore six. Look headline, Baltimore six and a half. Westgate open Baltimore seven from a side and the total here open forty seven. So, um yeah, I like uh in a in a spot here where you got both teams off a fairly embarrassing primetime loss. Um I like the Titans. I don't know what are you seeing for the side right now? I, I had six, but it looks like is it five and a half now? Yeah, it's came down a little bit since we started again. Uh, that's why I think we definitely, yeah, definitely have a huge advantage on Wednesday because it seems like Thursday and Friday is when there's a lot bigger moves. Just from yeah. a side, so from a side note perspective, I think a lot of sharper players. I know when I'm getting my bets in, uh, sharper plays and stuff, and I'm getting my bigger bets in, it's always you know Thursday or Friday morning. And the reason for that is that's usually when their limits for sports books go up, so you can bet more money. So. That's definitely if you're not betting a ton of money and you know and not a ton, but you know if you're not betting you know in the for sure in the into the thousands for the NFL side and totals market, definitely uh, it's definitely really advantageous to be betting you know Wednesday or before. Uh, so yeah. yeah, from from what number it is, uh, I think five is probably uh, five is probably the consensus right now. All right, sounds good. Um, obviously six isn't super key, but uh, obviously I'd rather have it. But <clears throat> not something that's going to change my pick necessarily. So. I like Tennessee here. Um, this is one I don't necessarily love because I've I've had no problem betting against well, actually both these teams. I haven't been a big fan of for quite a while here, and I think they both gotten too much respect for the most part. But it just seems like with Baltimore, um, you know, I, I I made the case for them obviously last week, or we both did against New England. But that was as much, if not more, a case against New England than it was necessarily on Baltimore. So I do think Baltimore is going to have a, um, you know, offensive explosion here at some point where stuff's going to click for them and they're going to put up 40 against somebody and everybody's going to start freaking out and say, oh, you know, there's Lamar. He never left. Everybody forgot about him. And everybody's getting in love with Kyler and, and Russell Wilson and everybody else. But R- Lamar is really still the guy. And um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I feel like it's going to be a time at some point this year where that's going to happen and, and all the takes are going to come. And then I hope. Baltimore does get steamed pretty high, and then uh, then I'll have no problem betting against them after that. But um, that's just kind of a little side note. But in in this spot, I just Baltimore really hasn't done much that impresses me all that much. Where against a team that I don't love with Tennessee, but I think they're at least an average team. They just really haven't. Um, I feel like kind of like I said last week too is I feel like they're going to run out bad teams when the conditions are ripe. I guess not in a monsoon. And they'll probably lose or or be pretty competitive to decent or or good teams. And for for all the worst that Tennessee has, um, I think they're 
they're probably about an average team in my opinion. I don't think they're a five and O team or whatever they were to start the season. But I also don't think they're a below average team necessarily either. I think even like I said that that loss last week to the Colts was a little deceiving, but they're off a loss that I'm sure tastes bad in their mouth. Now they're tied with Indy for the division. They're gonna be extra motivated and focused with this week and a half of practice to come back and, and put their best performance on tape against Baltimore and try to uh go back and and uh you know and get a win here and bounce back. Baltimore you can make the case with the the playoff revenge from last year after they got bounced by Tennessee and Baltimore. Uh but I I for the most part don't really put a whole lot of stock into that. Like I I don't think Baltimore is going to be that much more uh you know whatever motivated or to to win this game for for this year's purposes because they lost last year unless there is some like bad blood or you know something deeper than um than just one year worth of of revenge there, and I don't really think that's the case. And then you look at uh, Baltimore, they're still fighting, obviously, for the playoff, uh, for the wild card. And, but they're three games back now of Pittsburgh for the division, so this isn't necessarily a must win for Baltimore. Uh, after, off the loss against the Pats, but I mean, you'd think that might be a decent spot, but again, they're on the road, uh, Sunday night, they're, they lose in a game that just kind of has to take a lot out of you with those elements, and was they were fighting to the last second, trying to drive in the in the rainstorm there. And now they head back, and then on a semi-short week, now they're they're playing Tennessee. Uh, I think Baltimore historically has had a pretty good home field, but I think that basically gets negated with the lack of fans. And now Tennessee's had extra time to prepare in a game where they don't even ask them, you're not even asking them to win, you're just asking them to keep it close. So. I think either you're going to have to have a really poor performance from Tennessee or a good performance from Baltimore that we just haven't seen basically all year yet, uh, or very rarely have, and we haven't seen against a halfway decent team all year. So it's not something that I'm in love with, but I just feel like if you play the percentages more often than not, this is going to be a close game uh, down to the wire, and I'll gladly take the five and a half points here for this one. Where are you looking for your next one? Alrighty. Well, finally one that I wasn't on, so I can actually get to my plays without piggybacking on yours. I will be going for the play tonight, so hopefully I can get it out here quick. But um, I'm going to uh, this game, Arizona at Seattle. My power rating here is Seattle minus four. Look at line, Seattle five and a half. Westgate opened Seattle four and a half, and the total here opened 57 and a half. Um, of course, if you uh, listen to my numbers, you can kind of already guess where I'm going. I'm going to be on the Seattle Seahawks here. A little, you know, a little shy, a little gun shy on it, just for the fact that I've seems like I've been betting against this team. But now it's been a few weeks. Now they're kind of getting, uh, you know, definitely not as much of attention as they were uh, earlier in the season. I know Russell Wilson was the almost the hands down MVP MVP favorite. Now he's kind of again seems like this happens almost every year with him. He just comes out pretty hot and he's got a lot of talk, and then somebody else comes up and and then he's kind of you know under the radar, which which fine with me because that's if I'm going to bet somebody, that's what I'd much rather be betting on as opposed to, uh, you know, a really touted and highly classified um, MVP candidate. So, I mean, for me, it's just you're getting a lot of value here, for sure, on Seattle. I mean, that's just I think that's pretty inarguable. They're kind of just getting downgraded. And then, and then obviously, the spot, I think, is really good for them as well. You got Seattle team after another loss and, and then kind of coming home here on Thursday. Uh, home team surprising this year have done really poorly on Thursday night, but I think that's more just a small sample size as opposed to something that's a long going to be a long term trend with these fans not being here. 
Um, and then, you know, on the opposite side, you have Arizona's in, you know, a pretty awful spot there. Uh, going and playing a really tough game there down to the wire. Then they had that Hail Mary and, you know, all the fans. And, and just, I mean, just look at like the, the Minnesota Miracle a few years ago when, when Minnesota did something similar there with Diggs and, and they're in the playoffs, of course. But I mean, just the next week, it couldn't have looked any more dead. And again, it's one example. I get it, but uh, still, it just seems like this is, a, this is something where Seattle's, you should think are going to be laser focused when you got their, you know, a, a new and up and comer coach and quarterback and team that's been kind of a bottom tier team from that NFC West. And now they're coming up to try to take the number one spot here and win this division when Seattle's kind of, uh, you know, definitely had its control or at least by you know, the top two for this division for a while. So ever since uh, Wilson's been around. So it, it just seems to me like this is going to be the, you know, the bigger brother coming in and kind of showing them how it's done and, and be able to handle business here pretty, uh, pretty good here i think just you know you trust the the more experience you trust the better coach and i I still think wilson's a better quarterback obviously more than murray so i I just feel like there's a lot of good indicators here for seattle uh i know it's thursday so things can kind of be fluky but i feel like this is like a not a must win for seattle but a game where they really need to have to make a strong case for them to, to to make a big playoff run so yeah, there's a lot that it shapes up for me well here. I feel like this should not be three, and it looks like it's three with some heavy juice on, on Arizona right now. So, I mean, we'll see if it gets two and a half. I, if it does, I'll be even even bigger on it. But, yeah, even at three, I still like to play. That's where it is uh, widely available now. So my play will be Seattle plus three for tonight's game, Thursday night football. But, uh, again, yeah, I just feel like this is uh, way too cheap here for this situation and, and price point uh, of the, these two teams and everything else involved. So, yeah, Seattle plus three. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I was debating whether to put them in or not, but uh, totally agree on that one. Uh, my next one is in the Jets-Chargers game. All righty. Uh, power rating here, Chargers minus 10. Look, was not available. Uh, Westgate here from a side, 9.5 Chargers, and then the total here opened 46.5. So I haven't done it once this year and uh probably be kicking myself for doing it because after burning money left and right on the Cleveland Browns a couple of years ago in Jacksonville, um, just just bad, bad teams. And every week it seemed like there was value, and every week I was burning up losing tickets. Uh, I kind of swore off just betting awful teams. But I'm In gonna, Flacco, Frank, trust or what? <laughs> I kind of do. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't, I don't trust them to win the game, but... I kind of trust them to keep it close against a Chargers team that, I mean, do you trust them at all to, to play polished football and do what it takes in the NFL to, to put a game away by double digits? I just, yeah, that's why it's real, real quick on the side. It's like, yeah, when I'm doing my notes, I, I just force myself to not play this game, but it, yeah, I, funny, I just going in with that point, I just said, yeah, in my notes, I have your, you know, Chargers simply laying more than a touchdown to anybody. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, Obviously, the Jets have been awful in a lot, a lot of games this year. And they've gotten blown out by a lot of different teams. Uh, but they've also, against the bad, you know, the lower level teams, they've, for the most part, kept it close. You know, the, the Broncos on that Thursday night, they ended up losing by nine. And then, uh, the, the Pats, they, in that Monday night, it was crazy. They should have won and ended up losing by three. But other than that, they've lost to the Bills twice by ten and by eight. And then they've lost, they got blown up by the Chiefs and, uh, the Cardinals and Colts. And at the time, the Niners, who were full strength then, who you could all make an argument were at least average or above teams. And then, uh, they got killed by the Dolphins, who, which doesn't look all that great, but losing the 24 by them. So, I mean, you're, 
you're definitely like reading into it and trying to make a case that I don't want to say not there, but you definitely again have to kind of take well, some leaps of faith that the Jets are figuring it out a tiny bit, or at least that their strength of competition is such here that you're going to hopefully get more of what they did against the Patriots last time out than you are against all the other uh, better teams they played earlier in the season. And my my main focus here, like I said, is just the Chargers and the fact that they're two and seven and not an awful football team. Uh, I've made the case a bunch that they could have won a lot of those games and they've played a lot of tough teams really tight. So I don't want to make it seem as if they're just a complete dumpster fire by any means, but they're also a horribly coached team with Anthony Lynn. They have a rookie quarterback who for the most part's played pretty good, but is still like I know he made at least one pretty bad throw last week that led to an interception and is not incapable of making more rookie mistakes and just you know through the, the growing process. So in a spot like that, when you give me those facts and in a defense that's been super banged up and not not good at all. They're down to, I guess, 19th in DVOA. But I think that's even a slightly skewed based on the fact that they were better earlier in the season than they have been the last few weeks. I mean, they've been giving up uh, 29, 31, 31, 29, 30, 38. So, I mean, that's six weeks in a row where they've given up basically 30 points, and you're asking that team to lay almost double digits here? It just seems pretty absurd. And I know the Jets are a different animal than the teams they've played. But... Flacco, I thought, looked shockingly competent um, against the the Pats, and I know there's times where he can look really bad, but he's he's at least going to push the ball down the field against a pretty suspect secondary, and he'll make some dumb plays, but he'll also make some plays, and even more than Darnold, who just hasn't looked right all year um, when the when he's been playing for the Jets. I think I trust Flacco actually to to keep her fairly close here, so. Anytime, and then you look at the total too, and it's, you know, 46, 46 and a half. Uh, so it's not, not a sky high total. So in a somewhat low scoring game, I'll gladly bet against a rookie quarterback and, uh, Anthony Lynn catching nearly double digits here, pretty much blind and, uh, feel, feel pretty good about it. So, um, yeah, I, I like it a decent amount. And obviously the Jets coming off a bye too. Um, I think, I don't remember what the stat is, but isn't, have you heard of that, uh, isn't it something about, uh, un, or winless teams coming off a bye is usually a great spot. Is there something to yep. that? Yep. Okay, I thought I heard that before. I don't remember exactly what the stat is, but that was just kind of sitting in the back of my head too that it kind of factored into that. So, yeah, um, Chargers coming off a game last week where they were probably much more likely to be up for that against Tua and the battle of the rookie quarterbacks and whatever. This seems like a pretty big flat spot going home and playing the Jets at home. Uh, so, yeah, anyway. What about you? Where are you going with your next one? Was well, it nine and a half numbers? That you said. Yep. All right. Just want to make sure um, for documentation purposes. All right. Yeah. Let me get to my uh, fourth pick here, and I will go over to uh, the Atlanta New Orleans game. My power rating here: New Orleans three and a half. Look at line: New Orleans seven. Westgate open: New Orleans four and a half, and the total here open fifty one and a half. Now, like we already talked about a couple times this podcast, it's kind of frustrating because when I'm doing my numbers, this is, you know, sitting five and a half, six, five, something like that. Now, uh, as we've been talking here now, now New Orleans, uh, Atlanta's down to, looks like forest consensus. So, I mean, um, uh, unfortunately just losing value by the second, but uh, I'll, I'll still take Atlanta here, getting the four. But again, I just, 
I bet numbers more than teams or anything else. I mean, it's just kind of frustrating how you're losing some value. But again, it's not a deal. It's not like it's going through three or something. Otherwise, I would, you know, have to call an audible here, but it's not big enough to do it. But, um, so yeah, I'll just take Atlanta here plus four. I mean, it just really comes down to, I think now we're getting more in the neighborhood of what the adjustments would be. But when they first adjusted this game, um, from Breeds to, uh, uh, Jameis, it was, the Saints were pretty much seven, seven and a half point favorites. And then once they readjusted, once he was out and had the injury, there was about, you know, six, uh, six, you know, about six. There's like a, a point and a half, point, point and a half, two points, something like that adjustment. And then to me, that's just pretty shocking. I mean, if nothing else, you just have Winston who hasn't played in, in, in a while. And it's just like, you're going to have to have some rust and everything else that you're going to have some cobweb. So not that Breeze was a world beater by any means, but I just think there's definitely a pretty big um, disparity between these two quarterbacks. So, I've actually heard some other people that disagree and think that there's no no difference between Winston or Breeze. I think that's mildly ridiculous. But um, anyway, I think this is kind of where now we're the neighborhood of where you're getting where it should be for the adjustment between these two quarterbacks. I think that's basically what the market's telling you. Um, but still, I think, like I said, I think anything above a field goal here, I think it's definitely worth looking at Atlanta just for the fact that, I mean, A, they're coming off a bye, so I think you got to give them a little bit of a bump there. They've been playing pretty good going to the bye, which I don't really like playing teams like that. But either way, I think uh, this is a team that's always performed well here the last few years in the in the end of the season. So I think they've been they've been good here, and they're they're definitely a team where I want to get points with, and uh, you know, to be able to put up points on the board. It's always like quick paced game, quick paced games, and you always kind of got the back door open, even though it's only four now. It's still kind of open for Matt Matty Ice and uh, that that Atlanta offense. So I, I feel like Wentz is going to have some mistakes here. He's going to make some some bad throws. We saw that last year; he had the most interceptions in the league. Um, and, but he was able to make, you know, move the ball, but he's going to, I think he's going to make some, some mistakes as well. So I think Atlanta's going to be able to, to capitalize on those. And I won't be surprised if they won this game outright, actually. And especially after New Orleans has had some, uh, you know, big win against Tampa Bay there a few weeks ago. And I just feel like, you know, this is a team that's riding, you know, somewhat high. And now, of course, they lost Breeze, which that's the one negative too. Once, you know, it's usually when they have their main quarterback goes down, I think usually get a pretty big jump from that team the first week back. So after they have their backup quarterback, so that's the one thing I don't like. But I think with that, I don't think people think that Breeze is a, a world beater. I think that's kind of you know, oh, we got a really good backup, kind of like you know Andy Dalton in Dallas. I think people kind of thought the same thing. Oh, we got a capable backup, we'll be just fine. They don't really even think about it. So I don't think there'll be much of a change from an effort perspective compared to normal. So yeah, all in all, like I said, you're definitely not as much value as I like here. It's where I liked it earlier, but uh, I think yeah, still definitely a little bit of value here. Atlanta plus four. Yeah, it's kind of strange how so many people have made Jameis a top five quarterback in the league because he's not playing this year. <laughs> like, even like Simmons talks constantly about, how come this team isn't starting Jameis? It's like, he had some good plays, but he also had a lot of really, really bad plays for Tampa over the last, you know, over his career. So Absolutely. Kind of and, yeah, strange. of course, it's a whole different offense. Arians likes to chuck the ball compared to a, a New Orleans offense, which is more dink and dunk and relying on Camaro. So, yeah, yeah exactly. For sure. Um, all right, my last one. I'll go a little bit quicker on this one. It's uh, definitely my least favorite of the five. I swore him off a few few weeks ago, but uh, I'm coming back here. I'm going to go to this uh, Rams-Tampa game. You want to give your numbers for that one? All righty. Uh, my power in here, Tampa Bay minus 2.5. Luck headline, Tampa Bay 3 minus 120. The Westgate side open, Tampa Bay 4, and the total 49. So I'm... Uh, I'm going back to an under. I'm going to go under 49 here. Uh, not not going back to Tampa. I'm going back to the to a total here that uh, after I snuck out a push a few weeks back, I said, all right, I'm not doing any more unders for a while. But I think here's a spot. Um, I like 
you look at both of these teams and they both have top eight. They're, they're ranked five and eighth in DVOA and offense and they're ranked, uh, eight and, and one actually in defense. So you have top eight offenses, top eight defense according to DVOA. So you're like, well, you know, that seems okay. So no, no real advantage to the total. But I think both of these offenses with extremely immobile quarterbacks who have had a ton of problems up against pressure. I don't think, I think a lot of those, that's those stats are kind of, are, uh, you know, accumulated against teams that aren't going to pressure them and don't have good defenses. And Brady and Goff can look like absolute world beaters when they're not getting any pressure. But we've seen them, both of them, uh, at different points throughout the season where when they're being pressured at all, especially Goff, he can just look absolutely horrendous. Uh, I know Miami a couple weeks ago comes to mind. And uh, surprisingly, the Rams kind of have this cachet of being this fast-paced, tons of weapons. McVay, the boy wonder, is, you know, super new age and high-flying offense. But it's it's pretty pretty crazy to me how how conservative he is with his, his in-game management and how much they actually run the ball with their three different running backs. And they kind of run more of a ball control offense than I would expect with having so many good receivers and, and tight ends there. And Tampa um, has been, for the most part, more high scoring, and their offense has been pretty good. But I also, I mean, I obviously their defense is ranked number one DVOA, and I don't think that's totally smoke and mirrors by any means. I think they're a pretty solid unit, and I think if they uh, – if if they don't have a ton of success against this Rams team, I think the Rams are going to kind of slow it down, and I don't think it's going to be a shootout back and forth like like Tampa has against you know like the Panthers last week or um, the Raiders or anything in the past. So I feel like uh, as long as neither team gets out to a big lead early, it's not going to be a match points type game. I think the the defense are going to be able to put a decent amount of pressure on the opposing quarterbacks, and the quarterbacks aren't going to handle it all that well. So uh, forty-eight and a half is a pretty reasonable. It's not. Uh, it's not super low. It's definitely uh, in a spot where they're giving enough credit to the to the offenses as opposed to like last week with that Vikings Bears. How it was in the lower forties, and they're expecting you know the defenses to kind of control the game and just putrid offenses. I think here they're giving more credit, and rightfully so, because the offenses have been successful. But I just don't think this is a spot where they're going to be as successful as they are against. Uh, worst defenses. So, yeah, under uh, what forty nine here for the uh, the Monday Nighter is my last play. Yeah, it's forty eight and a half. I think you mentioned both oh. both numbers there. But yeah, forty eight and a half is uh, it's pretty much forty eight and a half every shop here. So that'll be the the play. Um, all right. I thought you were going to be going in the game there. I was split between my decision. I wasn't on the total. I was on the side. I was split between two games. I was gonna I was gonna bet the Rams here. I think there's some decent value at plus four. I just feel like it's too high, and just like my power range suggests it, I think it should be two and a half, three, somewhere like that. But wasn't quite strong enough on it, so um, I ended up that's pretty, pretty much my first play out. But I'm gonna go back to my uh, for my last game. I'm going back to the one I already talked about last time I was up, and that was the Atlanta New Orleans, and I'm gonna be looking at the total. Um, it seems like a theme this week. Unfortunately, I actually already released it as a play uh, before the podcast, but. I like the over here, and unfortunately, some steam came in. I bet it 50.5, and I released it at 51, but uh, unfortunately, it kind of got right, right when we started the podcast here, it just started going up, so it's about 52 is consensus. 
Um, so we'll, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm sure it'll be one of these games when we come on next week that I either get a push or, or a loss because of getting the, the worst of the number here because of the, you know, the podcast. I don't know what's going on right when we're doing the podcast here, all these numbers moving, but anyway, I'm not going to throw me off the game. So I think there's still quite a bit of value here. I think this should be quite a bit higher, 54, 55 range. And, uh, yeah, so even a couple, still getting a couple points of value for sure. So over 52 Atlanta, New Orleans. The reason why, like I said, I think, I think Atlanta's shown they can, they can move the ball on offense. They've shown that for years now. They're, they're capable to put up points and bunches. And then New Orleans can do the same thing. But like I said, they're used to dinking and dunking with Breeze because he can't throw the ball too far down the field and just relying on Kamara and, and running the ball. So I feel pretty confident here that their Winston's going to open it up, whether it be a game plan or him just, you know, going rogue and doing it because he, he likes, you know, opening up the ball and throwing the ball deep. So I think he's going to be able to do that and, and he's going to get some points and be able to stretch the ball down and, and get points quick in bunches, like I said. But then, like I said, in the, the last handicap on the Atlanta side, I think he's going to be, you know, with that, he's going to be making some mistakes, especially being rusty and everything else. So I feel like Atlanta's going to be able to capitalize and get points on short fields and everything else. So yeah, to me, this is a very reasonable, you know, higher, you know, quote unquote higher total that I think should be even higher. I mean, look at like the Arizona Seattle game tonight, that's about 57. So, I mean, in a modern day, uh, an age, and especially with no crowds here, obviously this year, if you've noticed, I've definitely played more overs than I ever have before. And that's just part, part to do with just having the minimum crowds. I feel like the offense would succeed a lot better. So, I um, mean, yeah, to me, this seems like uh, definitely look at the over, uh, over 52. And it just seems like a game that sets up really well here for a lot of points and not to worry about any weather or anything else due to the dome. So, yeah, everything uh, points over for me. I say one other thing, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but to me it seems fairly correlated that New Orleans are the under and Atlanta the over. If uh, I think if New Orleans is going to be successful, it's more on their defense than Winston slinging the ball around the yard. So if New Orleans defense can play good football, I think they have more of a chance than uh, yeah, like I said, just than winning in shootouts with with Winston. So yeah, and I think and I think this would be a deal where if Breeze was playing, I'd like it significantly less. But the thing is, we didn't see the total move at all from when Breeze got announced in or when Breeze was supposed to be playing from. Last week into this week, the total didn't budget all until now, but beforehand it really wasn't moved. It was 51, uh, 51 and a half. So to me, I think there's a huge discrepancy between these two quarterbacks. I mean, one's a dink and dunk quarterback, one goes deep and, and likes, you know, the big play. So to, to me, that there's no adjustment on the total market after, you know, the change in quarterback seems like it's, you know, mildly ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. Um, one other game I know that's not on the board, but I, I would like quite a bit is Detroit, Carolina. Um, if that, I see some, I'm sure, old numbers that are 47 or 48 for the total somewhere in there. Um, I, I'd love that over if if it comes in below 50. I didn't want to release it as a pick, but to me, two pretty pretty big over teams and uh, anything reasonable like that. Uh, I don't know if I'm. I think Stafford. I don't know. Do you know why that number is off the board? Is it? Um, it looks like. Oh yeah, for the Teddy Ranger. I don't know who's who's playing Carolina oh. quarterback. And even that, I guess they might play alter conservative, but, um, I, don't I am think... seeing, I am seeing a 47 at Circa. I don't know if that I can check here and see if that's live when you're doing your pick of the week and stuff, but I am seeing a 47 on a total there for that game. Yeah. To me, that just seems absurdly low. I mean, both those, both those teams have bottom, bottom like eight defenses or bottom seven defenses and, uh, top, top half offenses. So why that number is so low? Like you look at Detroit, they're in, they're in like shootouts every single week where they fall down or they jump ahead and they blow the lead or they come back. It's just like, and Carolina's been in high scoring games left and right. So 
I, I don't know. I don't think either of those teams is. It just seems really strange to me why that total's so low. I mean, you look at you look at Carolina, and yeah, every other week they've been in a sixty-point game. Uh, weird, but yeah, uh, I, I hear you. I think if Bridgewater's healthy and everything and, and good to go, I I like it. But if it's a a newer one of the other backup quarterbacks, they have two that they're there. I, I think that'd be giving me a little pause. But I, I hear you. Yeah, I I mean, I, I remember that. Did you watch that Atlanta game when PJ Walker came in for Teddy? He looked more like a, like, not I don't want to say a gunslinger, but he definitely wasn't like ultra conservative where they were doing handoffs and, you know, he he was definitely, uh, I don't know, like, didn't look to me like, oh, okay, this is going to totally kill any totals that we have here if you're trying to take overs. It seemed to me like, who knows, maybe they change a the game plan with the whole week to prepare. And yeah, if it was Will Greer for some reason, I would absolutely agree with that. But anyway, just a thought. I guess we'll see how it how it plays out and uh, almost for sure have a release play on that if uh, we do uh, get that number here later in the week. Yeah, um, and just a quick note on that. It looks like, yeah, 47 is available and up and ready to be bet. So that is a okay. wide number. Um, I'll go ahead and recap a five here quick. Uh, I got Houston plus two, Green Bay plus two, Tennessee plus five and a half, Jets plus nine and a half, and Tampa Bay, L.A. Rams under 48 and a half. You want to recap your five quick? Uh, yep, absolutely. So I had Houston plus two as well. Seattle minus three. Atlanta plus four. Atlanta, New Orleans over 52. And then of course that six point two team teaser, Houston plus eight. Green Bay plus eight as well. All right. Uh, now let's go ahead and finish up the pod with our pick of the week. The AS pick of the week. Okay. So last week I had Baltimore minus seven, which they lost outright. And you hit the T's with uh, the Chargers and the Ravens and stuck that Chargers side by a half point, but you had the uh, the Ravens fall, obviously, uh, along with me. So that Sunday nighter just really killed us both and dropped us both to 5-4 and four on the year. So still still above 500, but uh, far cry from where we were a couple weeks ago. So you turn it around. Uh, I believe I still have the T-Box. So... Let's see, which one will I go with here? I really like this card. Um, I feel like there's not like Agreed. one that's, yeah, there's one, one that sticks out significantly more than the others. Um, but they just kind of like them all. Like it seems like if you scatter shot them all, I, I feel more confident in my five than necessarily picking one of the group. But, um, let's see, I'm going to go with, uh, Green Bay plus two at Indy. I just think, uh, for all the reasons I stated before, I just think Green Bay's offense is by far the unit of the four units in that game that I trust the most. And if they have any kind of success against uh, Indy's defense, which I think they will, I think that's a very reasonable number to cover. So Green Bay plus two, obviously like the money line as well. And uh, yeah, where, where about you? Well, I could do the same thing we did last week where you're on a side and then I'm on the teaser of that side and we both yeah, go down. Um, yeah, so I want to do that. Um, yeah, might as well. Let's do it. Uh, I, between that and the total, but of course, you're losing a little, losing a bit on that total. I release as a play, so I think we'll, you know, spread the wealth here. I will do that six point teaser. So again, it's, uh, Houston plus eight and Green Bay plus eight, uh, six point two team teaser for my, uh, pick of the week. All right. Well, that sounds good. Um, any other concluding thoughts here on the week 11 pod? No, I, like you said, yeah, definitely like this card here. It's kind of refreshing. The last couple of weeks have been a pretty dud, dud-like of a card. So I definitely 
nice having some games here and kind of, uh, you know, being excited about uh, a handful of games here that I think there's some pretty decent value on the board. So yeah, get back after it and hopefully uh, get back in, in the positive here after a little bit of a stumbling block the last couple of weeks for me. Yeah. And even the games that we didn't necessarily mention either, like the, you know, Bengals, Washington is kind of an interesting game. And, um, like I said, that Lions Panthers game will be kind of interesting. And, uh, uh, even Dolphins Broncos, <laughs> no, we've been rooting for the Broncos offense the last couple of weeks for various reasons, and they've just been horrendous. But it'll be interesting to see if Tua can keep her going on the road. And just from a viewership standpoint, um, a lot of a lot of interesting games this weekend. So hopefully, it pans out, or you know, it's a lot more entertaining than it was last week. And we need one or two just killer Sundays here, with you know, not only from a bets perspective, but also just from. Uh, enjoying watching football perspective because it seems like it's been pretty blah here for a while but hopefully this uh thursday night or tonight with the cardinal seahawks will kick us off in the right direction so everybody enjoy your weekend good luck with all your bets and we will be back next week thank you for listening to the Arone sports podcast check out aronesports.com for all of your sports betting needs including automatic bet tracking mobile notifications free picks and more 